Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Jacqueline Cronus, Principal for Ethics in the AI, Perceptions and Mixed Reality Group at Microsoft. We talked to Jacqueline about the definitions and components of AI and ethics at Microsoft, how she works with ethics within an enterprise solution team, transitioning from high-level ethics principles to -to day-to-day product work. We cover metrics around ethics, the connection between ethics and consumer trust and governance. Lastly, we talk about the value of a social scientist and how to approach the corporate ethics field when looking for employment. We hope you enjoy it. Um, Welcome to The Human Show, Jacqueline. It's actually great to have you here. Um, Our first question is pretty much let's get started talking about you. Um, Tell us a bit about your career path and how you found your way doing what you're doing now. Sure. I, I was in a PhD program in social psychology. My work focused on tokenism and social cognition related to bias and heterosexual attraction. And I decided I didn't want to finish. So I started working for the university in research administration. This was in the early 90s. I quickly moved a paper-based product to email and then Gopher. And then the web came out. So I built a website before the university had a website. And that led into a career in technology for the next several years, mostly as a PM related to web technology. And I got you know, fairly well into that and really missed doing research. And so I moved from being a program manager into being a product manager, a research manager. And I did a lot of research related to how people think about the features that they're most interested in and helping to um, create strategy for major products like MSN Shopping and Bing. And then I left for a while and went to a retail. I worked for Nordstrom and did similar work. Then came back to Microsoft about a year and a half ago and joined a new team in business business AI solutions, working on a design and ethics team, particularly focused on ethics, which is both uh, from a research perspective, but also from a structural perspective, helping our um, solution development teams think about how to identify and prioritize and address ethical issues in the solutions. How would you define AI, and how would you define ethics in your line of work? That's a really good question. Artificial intelligence originally came out of this idea that we could build systems that essentially um, thought or behaved the way that humans do. The thing that's amazing about the way that humans think and the way that we learn is that we can learn from very few examples. If you tell me that trees that are evergreen don't lose their leaves and I see a tree that looks different than any other tree that I've ever seen, and it's January in Seattle, and it has its leaves, then I know it's an evergreen. You don't really need to give me tons of examples. I understand what that means. But obviously, that's not the way that computers traditionally have been able to, quote-unquote, learn things, right? We have to give it really explicit examples to understand. And so the whole purpose of AI originally was to build something that thinks more like we do, The field's been around for decades and decades, 
and there have been some changes over the last five to eight years that have led it to become more productive and apply to different domains. So this includes things like classifiers that can look at images and decide whether it's a cat, a dog, or a flower, or a plane. It includes things like natural language processing and translation, which is an area where Microsoft has had a lot of innovation so that um, instead of explicitly having to learn all of the very specific rules of every specific language, you know, these systems can more easily learn how to translate from English to Chinese, from Chinese to Japanese, from Japanese to German, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So back to the ethics part of what you do, is there any part of designing AI and researching this that may be considered um, on the more unethical or perhaps, um, oh wait, Karina wants to ask, I think. Yeah, maybe you can just start by defining ethics. The way that we're thinking about ethics is really not the traditional academic kind of thinking about uh, what encourages human flourishing and whether that system is based on the values that people have or whether it's based on optimizing for a particular outcome or following a particular set of rules, which is what traditionally is considered ethics. It's much more applied ethics. So how do we create the conditions under which we all agree about what we think the generally we think the right things to do are and then how we negotiate the tensions within that? So, for instance, at Microsoft, we've defined six big areas um, as being major considerations for ethics, and they include things like thinking about privacy and also things like thinking about fairness. These systems require a lot of data, often data about people that reflect the biases that exist in our society. And so systems that consume a lot of data that reflect the biases in society can then not just perpetuate that bias, but also concentrate it. We've decided at Microsoft that that's a first-class problem for us to try to um, understand how to um, approach it and how to deal with it in lots of different contexts. I said something about dealing with tensions. So, for instance, if you're going to deal with um, issues around fairness, which often include understanding how um, different demographic groups are affected by a system, you need some sensitive data about people in order to do that. And so there's trade-offs that you have to make between thinking about collecting data that you normally would just avoid collecting because of privacy concerns and finding the most uh, privacy-aware way to collect it uh, so that you can assess how biased your systems are when it comes to these different demographic characteristics. So there's the, the academic thinking around what ethics is and the different philosophical approaches. And then there's when it comes to working on building a solution, what are the things that we should consider and how do we resolve tensions between different ethical principles or between ethical principles and other requirements of a system. Tell us a bit more about how you work in your current role with um, ethics and AI. Sure. So there are uh, two things that we think about when we think about applying ethics to an enterprise solution team. The first one is, should we do this project at all? Right? Is this an ethical use of the technology, both from the perspective of, is this ethical in general? And then the second question there is, is this the right time for this technology? So, for instance, there's been a lot of attempt to use AI to help us do things in society. 
Microsoft's not engaged in this, but things like developing systems that determine whether or not someone should get bail. The challenge with that is that, um, again, the current state of thinking about what justice is and how you should make those decisions and building a system that reflects what we think would be a fair and accurate way to do that, it seems like the technology is not quite there yet, right? And so we might have that discussion at Microsoft and decide not to take on a project like that. The second thing is really more what my job is, which is um, Satya Nadella wrote an article for Slate in the summer of 2016 that outlined principles that Microsoft considers for ethical AI development. And that was really where we made our first public statement about what we think the ethical principles are. And then in January, Microsoft published a book called The Future Computed. The first part of the book talks about applications of AI and how AI can help address really important problems that we have. The second part of, goes into more depth about these six ethical principles and what they mean. And the third part of the book talks about the likely impact on, of automation on jobs and how we think about distribution of wealth. And so the second part of that book is really the part that I focus on because now that we've decided, you know, that we're going to engage in a particular um, solution development, we still have the responsibility to think about the principles that we've outlined and figure out how those principles apply to a particular project. Traditionally, Microsoft has had, we have a whole process, a whole infrastructure around thinking about privacy and thinking about security, um, but for some of the concepts that are that are newer and more specific to machine learning, like um, the impact of bias based on all the social data, or um, how intelligible systems are, and the, the results of processes that are using AI, because those are newer, instead of just relying on an existing process, we currently really need to spend time to try to understand deeply what issues might come up on a particular project even without knowing how we would address that problem, to prioritize those things and then begin to figure out how to address them before we release a solution. Um, does this type of job then require some specific skill sets that need to be um, developed or that come with a specific line of education? What do you think? It's interesting because... These jobs don't really exist yet. I'm probably one of the first people to have a full-time job working on ethics on a product team in this way, right, for AI. And my background, uh, the things that are helping me are that um, I have a background in social psychology and I, I tend to think about the social effects, um, the interpersonal effects of things, which is helping me a lot. So for instance, I've spent a lot of time thinking about racism, sexism, and homophobia from the perspective of social cognition. And a lot of those things also apply to then thinking about how those things are manifest in systems that have a lot of social context. Additionally, I've spent a lot of time working in, in software development and in technology. And I've spent a lot of time, you know, leading teams that are developing uh, technical solutions. And so understanding the intersection of those things, uh, social systems and technology, makes it so that I can help people think through what these issues might be. You said that you're one of the first to work in this sort of ethics and technology space. Do you think that's about to change with all the things that's been going on around the moment? I want to clarify that 
I think I'm one of the first people to work in the ethics and technology space, particularly on a product team. Microsoft has had lots of researchers. Um, there are researchers at IBM, at other big companies, and in tons of academic institutions who have been thinking about these issues for a long time. The difference is that it changes when you move from thinking about a specific issue in the context of, of some research to actually trying to implement those um, higher level you know, mm -hmm. values into, a, into the design of a product or a solution. But as you said, um, this is just the beginning, right? AI has, um, for particular reasons, is now accelerating and the importance and impact it's having. Because of all the work that's gone before, there's an increasing awareness of the, of the ethical issues and the ethical challenges that we're going to have in developing these products. And so it's only natural that there's going to be more opportunity to study these things and to work to address these things um, in product development. Yeah. I was wondering if you can share, um, because I, 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 I find it fascinating the way um, you work with applied ethics in the, in the inside of a product team. So I was wondering if you can share a bit more of how that works on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, how do you inject ethics into, um, into the project flow um, of a product team? Um, the challenge for us has been that you know, we started from a fairly naive perspective when the team launched about a year ago. And what I mean by that is that, you know, Microsoft had said that here are the six ethical principles we care about. And we had these six solution areas that we were interested in at the time. And so we had a, a group of technologists and researchers and PMs and designers get together And what we thought we could do was we could go through each of these ethical principles, like fairness, for instance, and we could think through the six solution areas that we had, and we could identify the overlapping concerns across the solution areas, and then figure out what we thought the, the right general approach was to that problem, start evaluating whether people had actually um, implemented things according to those principles, and it would lead to success. We quickly discovered that the high-level principles are really important, and the way that they manifest on any particular solution is really different. So, for instance, um, we have a solution that we're just talking about using facial identification in different contexts, right? The way that fairness manifests in that, in that kind of context is very different than the way that fairness manifests, for instance, in a search engine. So I think everyone is aware that, you know, there's challenges if you use an image search. You search for a CEO. Um, you have to scroll a couple of times to see anything other than a white man represented as a CEO in image search. So the problem there is very different, and how you solve it is very different, than the problem of um, the fact that facial recognition tends not to work as well for people who have differing skin tones, particularly it doesn't work as well for people with darker skin tones. I don't know if you're familiar with the Gender Shades paper that, that Gabriel and Bua Lamuni published in, um, in January or February, but essentially they found that for IBM, Microsoft, and face-to-face -face, um, gender classifiers, they didn't work as well for dark-skinned women as they work for everyone else. So that's a different problem than the search engine problem. So instead of just having a set of rules that people can use, what we do instead is we have an educational process where we talk through what the issues are, how they might manifest in a particular solution. And then we have a very deliberative process where we spend hours together 
and we talk about each issue and about the people who have different roles in the solution area. So for instance, I mentioned before that we need to think about our, our enterprise customer, but then also the enterprise customer's customers, the enterprise customer's employees, and any other people who might be caught up in the solution space. And think about that issue from their perspective and across like the big chunks of functionality within those spaces. And then we think about, well, what, what would the priority be in addressing this issue? If we wanted to align with overall these big ethical principles, mm. we do that before we even start discussing what the potential solution is. And one of the most uncomfortable pieces has been that I've worked on technology teams for a long time. You hate to have a problem that you don't know the solution for. And it can be uncomfortable to talk about problems when you don't know what the solution is yet. But with some of these problems, the solution is not obvious and we need help in collaborating with others to determine how to address it. So we've separated prioritizing how important the issue is, meaning do we need to fix this definitely before release or could it be a follow-on or is it not that important from um, the concept of do we know how to fix this yet? So we could have a very important issue that we're not really sure how to address. We need to start you know, talking to other people when we're in that situation. So we collaborate, for instance, with our partners in Microsoft Research. Um, we read third-party research. We talk to people who have worked on adjacent issues to figure out how we're going to approach a prior one issue that we don't know how to solve. You probably, if you know anything about Microsoft and our cultural transformation, we talk a lot about being a learn-it-all culture rather than a know-it-all culture. Mm -hmm. And this is part of that cultural shift, is that we have to be more comfortable with not yet knowing the answer, but being committed to finding an answer. So it's not like a traditional kind of, here's a one-hour meeting, now go implement this on your, on your project. It's much more like, let's collaborate and keep discussing and keep revisiting and finding ways to address top priority issues without a lot of structure yet. I think one day we will have really good structure, but we're just not there yet. Um, are you also working around landing these principles into metrics that you can uh, maybe track after the release? That's right. So let's talk, for instance, about um, a problem I talked about earlier with facial identification, perhaps not working equally well for people across all demographics. It isn't only skin tone. It's also it's also gender. It's also, you know, it doesn't work as well for children. And there might be some things that we haven't even discovered yet. Defining what the metrics are, like how are we going to evaluate how well we're working for these demographics where there's, you know, some industry knowledge or some academic knowledge that, that there might be problems here. But it's also how are we going to surface where there's particular problems um, that haven't been identified yet in academic literature or in internal experience, right? So it's a combination of Obviously, we have to figure out what the metrics are, but we also have to figure out how we're going to identify the unknown unknowns. There could be some, um, because the technology is so new and because it works in a probabilistic way, we have to find ways to surface problems that we might not have thought to look for based on what we already know. Mm. Okay, so that would mean that also the work kind of impacts, starts impacting other areas of the organization, not just the product team, right? Well, in that, are you talking about um, in the fact that we include like Microsoft Research in our collaboration and things like that? Now, uh, when you are saying that you start surfacing prob problems um, or areas of further investigation, that would mean that this would then be 
moved to some other type of team to be researched further or to be... Well, so um, this is actually a kind of macro collaborative process in that our solution teams are working on identifying what their problems are and what the what the things they don't know are that they need some help on. Because Microsoft has such a strong Microsoft research team, um, there's the FATE group in New York, Fairness, Accountability, Transparency, and Ethics. Um, because there are groups that work in Microsoft Research and Redmond on issues of fairness and intelligibility, etc. We have those academic partners that we can go to and we can say, hey, we have this problem. Do you know anyone who knows anything about this? Or is this an area of research that's really interesting to you? And we can collaborate on projects and we do that. Additionally, there's a group called Ether, which is um, a Microsoft level AI ethics board. And within Ether, there are subcommittees that focus on some of these issues. That's really um, eventually going to provide the, the sound structure similar to the way that we approach privacy. Right now, it's also providing a space where we can collaborate with other teams who are dealing with similar issues and collectively get better together. Jacqueline, I have a question that I, I hope I won't, I won't poorly phrase it because it's not fully developed with my hand, but in my head, but bear with me. Um, I wanted to ask you to speak to the connection between ethics and um, user trust. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Oh, thank you. Um, and particularly to what does it mean to you, that connection? Because, um, and what does it mean for companies to start focusing on building more ethically infused products? What does it do to the type of relationship that company builds with their consumers um, long term? So, you know, I've recently done some research where we were looking at, at how people think about some of these ethical issues, um, not through the lens of AI, but just through the lens of a context that they're already familiar with. So, for instance, we talk to people about their travel experiences or their shopping experiences. We talked about the technology that currently exists, the problems they currently have, and then we made suggestions towards a future where some of these technologies are implemented and, you know, to better understand their reactions. And one of the things that we came away with was that it's a, it varies based on um, social cultural context, but particularly in the United States, there's already a big change where even though people, the behavioral metrics weren't necessarily showing that there was less trust in some of these online social platforms or in online advertising, when we talk to people, they expressed a lot of uneasiness about how their data is being used and that that's increasing. And that was also influenced by things like data breaches. And this was even before people were broadly aware of what's going on with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. And the conclusion that we came out of field with was that we could see a potential that people started uh, being resistant to technology because of their concerns about these things and because they felt like their concerns weren't being addressed. So... All of the principles that Microsoft has defined around ethics and AI are all things that if we respect those principles will lead to us building genuinely trustworthy solutions. So I say genuinely trustworthy because you could, you can manipulate people into trusting you by trying to obscure information, but that's not likely the best way forward. To be genuinely trustworthy, we have to be very sober in how we address these issues very thoughtful in terms of how we build trust with users. We are going to have 
the whole industry is going to have a more difficult time in getting people to just go along with defaults and um, sign up for things without thinking too hard about it. Because uh, too many things have happened that have surprised people. So we may even have thought that we were being clear and communicating what was going to happen with people's data or how it was going to be used, but that's not the perception. And so I'm actually very excited about this as I think it's time for us to think harder about what we're doing, what the, what the implications of what we're doing are, how we explain that to people, and how we negotiate with them to develop a solution that meets our business needs, that meets their objectives, that addresses their concerns and gives them choices. I wanted to ask you in, in your now, you've been on this position now for one year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen any of this kind of, um, any of this structure kind of having a kind of a rippling effect in the organization or, or s- this initiative kind of prospectively taking on a much larger role? The, I think that Microsoft's ambition has always been pretty big when it comes to this, even before I got involved. You know, the fact that, you know, like I said, that the article in, um, in June of 2016 that Satya published was pretty comprehensive. It's not that the other large companies or small companies don't care about this. It's just that uh, we've been more forward in saying, you know, these are the things that we believe in. I think lots of other companies have also done good things, but we've also been more external about it. The impact of that on us internally is that we've made a public commitment, which we now need to be consistent with. That's a general principle of social psychology, that we're more consistent with things that we talk to other people about, right? So that's been um, really encouraging for me. Because I can hold up a book, The Future Computed, that says that these are the things that we believe in when it comes to developing AI, how we all feel in terms of our responsibility for delivering on those principles. Jacqueline, I also wanted to ask you about, I know Microsoft has a, um, a history of, of working with social scientists and kind of embracing social science um, inside the development teams. Um, I was wondering if you can speak a bit more to your particular experience of working with anthropologists in the kind of work that you do. There are a variety of social scientists in different places at Microsoft. And I think design research, which is the evolution of what used to be called usability or user research, is one of those places where there's people with a variety of different backgrounds. There's sociologists, there's social psychologists, there's anthropologists, et cetera, et cetera. I think that there's also an increase in, in, in be, because that space has gotten bigger, because design research is a bigger umbrella than usability, for instance, there's more interesting stuff happening there in terms of people trying to solve different kinds of problems, um, whether that's you know doing more field research or um, designing experiments rather than just studies to understand the impact of different kinds of choices that we're making. I also see the need for social scientists in general to get much more involved in the development of technology, no matter what their role is. So the more I think about some of these, some of these spaces, like, you know, I talked earlier about the companies that are developing systems to evaluate whether or not someone should get bail or whether you're developing a solution that helps decide whether or not someone should get a loan. Whenever there's a system 
this making a consequential decision about a person, mm -hmm. that's a social system. Yeah. And those systems tend to be really complex and um, really kind of opaque to technology people. And technology people, one of their best qualities is that they love to think about how to apply technology to the hardest, most ambiguous problems. And often those social systems are not systems that they understand especially well, or that just learning a little bit about it is really going to give you the kind of insight that you need to make the right choices in the context of that system. So my long-term prognosis is a lot, of more, a lot more social scientists involved in these systems, whether they're internal to tech companies or whether they're helping other organizations or companies make decisions about how and where to apply technology and asking the right questions. And in your particular line of work, which is this um, working with AI and ethics, if, if a social scientist would like to join um, that particular team, um, how would you advise it to approach the process of doing that? Well, I think that, um, like I said, I think that this is just the very beginning, people having jobs that are like mine or similar to mine. And we're already thinking about how our team will grow and expand and help more teams do what we're doing. Um, there's a clinical psychologist who's working on similar issues in our computer vision group. And like I said, most of the work on ethics today, before this new emerging trend of having people working on ethics within product teams directly, has been in research groups, so in Microsoft Research. Like I said, in, there's groups in Redmond, there's groups in New York, there's a lab in Cambridge that does some of this work. You know, it's going to, I think it'll first come through those groups. That's where most of the opportunities are. Mm -hmm. Over time, through um, participating in those opportunities or in participating through design research, there'll be emerging research opportunities. Mm -hmm. I also think in other disciplines, um, program management, for instance, will have, you know, more thinking about ethics. Or in some of the, of the adjacent orgs that already help us with some issues like privacy or security, those orgs will begin to have more responsibility for these kinds of things. And then additionally, I see things like, um, I know my perspective is very U.S.-centric, but um, Data and Society, which is an organization that's um, one of the founders is Dana Boyd, who's also a Microsoft researcher and anthropologist. That organization has current positions open for working on the issue of fake news, and it's a lot of Mm. of um, open positions for social scientists, not computer scientists, to think about these things. These are all great advices. Um, Jacqueline, one other question related to ethics that I um, wanted to ask had to do with the relationship between ethics and governance. Yes. Um, how do you approach that topic in, in the work that you do? Are you talking about internal governance at Microsoft or relationship to external both. Regula uh, re both. regulators? Both of them, but whichever you want to cover um, would be awesome. So, as I stated before, probably not that succinctly, I think that over time Microsoft will develop good internal governance mm -hmm. for managing these ethical issues. It's not that there won't be any deliberation or there won't be any, you know, um, customization, but I think over time we'll get smart about how to learn what we apply through governance um, across the company. And... I also think that maybe that won't happen quite as fast as we would need it to, to rely on that for everyone to make the best decisions. So 
in addition to thinking about internal, internal Microsoft regulation and governance, Microsoft is involved in things like the partnership on AI, along with Amazon, Facebook, IBM, Apple, uh, the ACLU, and other organizations we, where we collaboratively want to talk through some of these issues and how we think about how to address them. And um, also in other policy orgs like AI Now um, and Data and Society so that we have re resources for regulators to go to to learn more and to hear about how we're thinking about these issues. I'm really happy that Microsoft and the other companies that I'm you know, thinking of aren't waiting for regulation to be you know, the method through which we decide to implement some thinking about ethics in our product development. And I also think that that's really necessary. Um, this question's a bit off topic, but I thought I'd just squeeze it in before we finish up. But ethics is, can be kind of defined by different groups differently. And with Microsoft being such a big company and being like, um, you know, lots of people use your guys' devices and stuff. I was just wondering, do you have to think about ethics differently depending on what group you're dealing with? Like, does it change or do you just kind of... Yeah, how do you deal with it when you have such a big and different groups to deal with? Um, well, so from my perspective, I'm I'm uh, primarily thinking about it through the lens of the products that that I'm working on. Mm. And like I said, I can you know there's other product groups where they're having similar challenges, and so we collaborate on things. So there's kind of this bottoms up process, right? Where uh, I'm working on something, um, it's not super well defined. So through networking within Microsoft, I find others who are working on similar issues and we can talk about it and see if we can collaborate in ways to solve problems more quickly. And then there's also the top-down piece of it, which is, you know, Ether, um, our, our corporate ethics board that's working to define what the Microsoft policy is. And right now, like I said, that's generally, you know, some very high-level principles, but over time those will get more codified and it'll be it'll be providing more structure for us to think through the issues. So right now my job um, is to really think about how I help the product team that I work on the most. And then I participate in Ether through subcommittees, so I share what I know. And then through informal networks, I find people who I can collaborate with and share what I know and they share what they know. I've been very um, Oh, enthusiastic people are about talking about these issues and find ways to address them in products, whether that's, you know, researchers, product managers, program managers, developers, data scientists, etc. It's been great having you on here. It's been really interesting. Um, thanks for pretty much coming in talking to us um, we'll put all the links to anything you want to share on the website and um, yeah it's been fabulous thanks great of course thank you so much thank you for listening everyone follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speakers work join us next time for more interesting conversations